This is Short-Term Rental Management, the show that is all about short-term rental property management with your host, yours truly, Luke Carl. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. If you're interested in buying a short-term rental in one of the top vacation markets in America, just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected with an Agent. If you purchase a home with the shop, you'll have access to all of our client-only benefits, such as training on how to manage your short-term rental. So we'll teach you everything you need to know from how to set up your Airbnb and Verbo listings to how to use the property management software that you'll need to streamline your business, all the way down to helping you source your local boots on the ground like cleaners, handy people, etc. We've taught thousands of people just like you how to buy and manage their vacation homes from anywhere in the world. So head on over to theshorttermshop.com and click get connected with an agent to get started. I do have to mention that we're brokered by EXP or else I get in trouble. We'll see you guys over there. There you are. There he is. Michael Bomb with the bomb. Bomb with the bomb bomb. That's right. How you doing? How you doing, brother? Good, Luke. Good morning. Um, How are things in Florida? Am I in Florida? I am in Florida. Yeah, it's wonderful. I'm uh, originally from Nebraska, you know, and uh, flip-flops in February is not a not a bad gig. Uh, of course, then when those hurricanes come, it ruins everything. <laughs> yeah, but they're only once in a while. It is once- 40 degrees and raining here in the beautiful western half of uh, Washington State. What are you going to do? Washington State. Awesome. Yep, beautiful. That's where I live. That's great, and I know you from uh, Bigger Pockets. So you are uh, you're very active on the Bigger Pockets uh, forum, which I am as well. Uh, the short term forum got its start, and I think it was 2016, and I've been on there since day one. And uh, back in the day, it was really just you know you were back in the part of that original crew, and it was like it was yep. you. It was Paul, obviously Paul, who's world famous at this point, Mister. That's right. He's very elusive. I've tried to get him uh, in action here at the uh, uh, on a podcast with us uh, many times, and he says no. And then, of course, um, uh, big, big, big John, big, big John, John, yeah, big John. He's <laughs> in, uh, I think he's in Maryland. Uh, uh, I thought he was in South Carolina. South Carolina. I was, uh, I had the right coast. Uh, and big John, uh, uh, another buddy of mine that uh, I need to get him on. He's he was he's got a lot of long terms as well, and so he's yeah. uh, been a great great mentor for me in that space that's his base yep uh, and uh, and yeah so uh that's how i know you and of course you help out with the bigger pockets uh, uh uh short-term boot camp which is really cool and and i've seen you i've seen your name a million times and we've just recently become acquainted with each other and uh, uh you know outside of that and and just wanted to have you on and kind of tell your story a little bit and uh so yeah tell us tell us a little bit about you Okay, so uh, I am from Ohio. It's where I was born. We moved to Idaho when I was uh, probably seven or eight. And I grew up there, essentially, between the town of Pocatello and uh, uh, Coeur d'Alene. Uh, then we moved to Western Washington. Um, my dad was a, a quality control guy over at Goodyear. And then he moved to Bucyrus Erie, which was based in Pocatello. So I've been married for 25 years. I have three adult children. I have three grandchildren. What? And um, I've been retired actually for 12 years this year. Uh, I have a degenerative neurological disorder. 
that was uh, diagnosed in 2011. Uh, so that has put me on the back burner uh, for working. Um, so the, one of the reasons I've always wanted to have a house in North Idaho on Lake Coeur d'Alene, which if you can see my background, that is the view from our deck um, out onto Lake Coeur d'Alene. Um, and essentially I wanted to have a place that we could retire to. That was basically the goal. Take the grandkids to go do stuff on the lake, have a good time. And everything kind of came together in early 2017. We'd been, you know, saving and this house had popped up and it was, I mean, it was like right up here at the level of what we could afford. And um, initially we hadn't really thought about short-term renting it. We just were going to get it and hold it and use it as much as we could. And then we came to realize we, we weren't going to be over there uh, all the time. It's about an eight hour drive from our house. Uh, so wait a minute, know. hold on. Uh, how did you, eight hours from your house, uh, how did you fall in love with this area? How did you even know about the area? Well, I grew up there. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I grew up. So you see the image behind me. I grew up on the other side of that hill, essentially out okay. on the, yeah. On the other side of the lake. So you've just uh, always been the, in love with the, with the area. Yeah, exactly. It was the area I knew pretty well. Um, I'd been on Lake Coeur d'Alene quite a bit. Um, Coeur d'Alene used to be a really small town and it's blown up quite a bit in the last 15, 20 years. So it's, but we're about 30, our house is like 36 miles down the lake uh, in a small town called Harrison. Uh, lake Coeur d'Alene is quite large. It's almost 50,000 acres uh, deep, 220 feet deep, not super deep, but pretty deep lake, cold water, of course. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it's just a, you know, it's a really pleasant area. And we're on the east side of the lake uh it's less populated the west side of the lake has a few more a uh, few more houses along it and like i said we're in a small town called harrison okay and uh do we fish in this lake oh of course oh yeah yeah fishing is huge yeah there's yeah everything under the sun is in this lake now all the sunfish you can imagine all kinds of panfish um and then trout uh steelhead of course Brook Trout, Dolly Varden. Yeah, it's all in this lake. We have a boat? I do have a boat. Uh, it is a 24-foot four winds. It is, it's not really a fishing boat. It is uh, just a get-around-the-lake boat. Uh, we are going to sell it and get a pontoon boat. Makes a little bit more sense with the grandkids running around on it. So that's the plan this year. We're out on it, the lake as much as we can. Um, it's a, about an hour and a half by boat to back to the main town of Coeur d'Alene. So you can, it's kind of fun to hop in the boat and cruise on up there and go have lunch in town, cost you an arm and a leg and fuel, but what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's great. And uh, is this the only rental property you have or? Uh... It is the only rental property. I know I post so much. You'd think I have like 60 or 70 properties like, look at my expertise. I'm so good. And listen to my advice. But I actually only have one place. Um, it, you know, it's pretty busy. We have all five stars. So we've been doing it. This is gonna be our sixth year of running it. And it, you know, like I said, we run it from eight hours away. So it's a, 
it's a short-term rental, long distance management that everybody's trying to get their, get their, their minds around. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which so, is what we're talking about here, of course, yeah. on the management show. But so when you first started, like, uh, you know, you purchased this property, not with the intent really of renting it, you kind of fell into that. Uh, what was, what was the catalyst there? And then uh, walk me through that. Did you, did you put it on Airbnb first, Verbo first, both at the same time? Uh, walk me both through at that. the same time. And uh, uh, it was bigger pockets. Actually. Uh, I was living on the forums. I joined in 2016, just about the time the short term rental forum came on. I was reading everything I possibly could about, about uh, doing a short term rental, what it was going to take, um, you know, five, six years ago, I wouldn't say infancy, but there are a lot more systems now that weren't there. Uh, people just trying to figure out, everybody was still trying to figure out the best way. You didn't have all the PMS systems that, well, that's kind of redundant, but PM systems that did the work and for you. And I don't use any of those. I, I do everything manually because it's just one place. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't need to put a layer in between me and the guests. Um, I do things probably quite a bit differently than people like you who are, have a lot more doors. And um, uh, some people like to be kind of aloof and kind of back off and, and not, but I, I mean, the guests have my cell phone number. Oh. They can call me, they can text me, they get right to me. Um, but we run a really tight ship. So we don't, I don't get calls in the middle of the night because I, I keep things, I keep things, um, smooth and i keep things right in other words they don't have a reason to call you because the house is rocking that's exactly right maintenance yeah. is high so when we so bigger pockets basically showed me the way to do it i dropped it on vrbo and airbnb at the same time and when we first went live uh the first year like most and we're in an area that doesn't have a ton of rentals okay we're not like pigeon fours where there are you know thousands of rentals running and it's gets a ton of visitors we quarter lane does get a lot of visitors lake the lake gets a lot of visitors but for the most part it's it's um it's mostly locals and there's only one or two other in my immediate area and maybe only a hundred on the lake said you know all said and done so um you never really know when you when you when you build something start something out and try to build it up how it's going to do in um in the end it's been very successful uh because people want to come you, can, you can't really lose with a good lakefront property you can't lose with a good mountaintop property you can't lose with a good beachfront property it's it's always going to be in demand people always want to get away and uh one thing that i wanted to do that uh after reading so much was to cater to families our house is fairly large. It's 2,700 square feet, four bedrooms, three baths. So it sleeps 10, 12 in a pinch. So we're basically set up to, to cater to families and extended families or two families or whatever. We have a kid's bunk room. It's dedicated just for the kids. There's two bunk beds in there. They can sleeps for adults. Do It's their adult bunk beds so that people stay in there if they want or if they have enough people. But uh, VRBO was bringing in 95% of our bookings in the first three years. Uh, every, you know, the first year of course was lean. We were pretty careful. I was nervous. You know, this is a, everybody's, this is, you know, for everybody to, 
who's brand new starting out, you're always going to be nervous. You got all this money invested and all this time. And I just bought all this furniture and I bought all these plates and oh, who's going to go in there and they're going to do this or that. It's going to be like, oh my gosh. And do I want to have a dog? Cause a dog is going to run around and it's going to be the worst. And you're always nervous. But in the end, if you properly prepare and you vet your guests, uh, you can you know, have as good of an experience as they're going to have because you want to make their experience and then it makes your experience good. If they have a bad experience, they're going to be hard on you. If you give them everything that they need and way more than they expect, then your experience with the guests is going to be primo. It's all you really want. I mean, you, you under promise and over deliver. And that's the, that's, that's kind of my mantra. I, I, I just basically lay it out there and people show up and they're like, holy mackerel, there is a more small appliances in this kitchen than I even knew existed. What? <laughs> Three coffee makers. How can that be? You know, yeah. you, you've stayed in a lot of short-term rentals. I've stayed in quite a few short-term rentals. It is shocking how many short-term rentals are set up to fail because they don't take the time to offer the guests the things that they're going to need. And I don't automatically assume that everybody's going to want to make waffles with a waffle maker, but there's a waffle maker in there along with a French press and two coffee makers and a Keurig and a toaster oven and, and a, uh, an instant pot and a pressure cooker. And you know, who's going to use a pressure cooker <laughs> on the lake? Uh, Nobody. Mother, but, maybe. But maybe somebody's going to want to like, ooh, we're going to make carnitas and and I got a big pork button. I'm going to toss it in there and it's electric and it'll be done in eight hours and I can shred it and be good to go. And every all the stuff we have in our short-term model has been used. It, it Nothing just sits. So I, I know I did the right thing by putting all those crazy little appliances in there for people to use. And once we got rolling year two, we had to do some work. Uh, the house was in really good shape. It was built in 97, so it didn't need a ton of stuff, but it needed some paint, touch-ups on the outside. It needed repair of the deck railings because they were getting loose and they weren't properly stalled. So we had to take the, the spring to really get it go. We put it on the market right away, so we were able to depreciate, well, not depreciate, but to expense those expenses. So it was available. We actually had bookings, but we were really selective. Most of the bookings were people we knew uh, or family, and then a few you know, people with a lot of reviews just to kind of you know, and we let people know this is the first time we're doing this. So I'm relying on you as a brand new guest to tell me uh, the truth. What was it like? How are the beds? Were the towels fluffy enough? Did you have enough stuff to do whatever? Did you like the beach? You know, and the beach is always something you always wonder about. We don't have a white sandy beach. We have a weedy rocky beach because that's the way beaches are on lake Coeur they are rocky and we keep it clean and keep it trimmed back but i'll tell you when spring rolls around this is a logging community every loose log on the lake ends up on our beach it is it is the worst so every spring we get a team of people out there cleaning up and uh and making sure but there's there's a cottonwood stump on there that's that's eight feet tall that I cannot get off the beach. <laughs> it's been there forever and it's so, going to sit there. 
So they're using the lake to move the lumber, and then the the lumber that like gets lost, it washes up on your beach. No, they stopped doing the. They stopped moving things up the lake um, by bar or by uh, the standard, you know, tugboat train. Uh, they haven't done that in a while. That happens farther up the lake when they get to the river, uh, back in Coeur d'Alene. But down by our, it was just. It's just first of all. It's other landowners that live on the lake that cut down a tree and they just let it fall into the lake hmm. and let the lake take it away. And uh, that you can always tell that because it looks like it's a freshly cut ponderosa pine that's 60 feet tall that's been trimmed back and it just comes rolling in. And the, the reason why we're on the open lake, we're not in a bay. Um, and the Coeur d'Alene River is to our north about a half a mile. And the St. Joe River is about three or four miles by lake south of us. And they're both in feeds. Um, and for all intents and purposes, logs end up in there. And they're both deep, deep rivers. They just dump their stuff in the spring into the lake. And they, the, the, the two competing currents basically meet within a few, few hundred feet of our property. So they just end up coming out there in the spring. You can sit out there and you just, you can just count. There'd be 30 deadheads and logs floating around out there. And where we're at, you know, the lake's about a mile and a half wide, maybe a mile wide. So sometimes they land on the other side, but a lot of the time they land on our beach. So it's going to be a, be a bit of a pain. In your area, do I have to be on the lake or can I be across the street from the lake to be rented? And, and how many rentals are there? Yeah, so technically we are not directly on the lake. We have a small road in front of us, our residential road. It's a chip seal road, so it's kind of like it's paved. Uh, and then you can just basically go down this little hill to our beach. Uh, so we are technically not right on the lake. Uh, I We have no problem renting. We could probably get more if we had direct lake access, and we could probably get more if we had a dock. There are moratoriums uh, on docks in our specific area of the lake. So I cannot have a dock at this time. So that is one drawback. I get a lot of questions. Hey, can we, can we, do you have a dock? And I'm like, no, we don't have a dock. But luckily the town of Harrison is less than half a mile right up the road. And there is a public marina there that you can dock your boat uh, for free for up to 72 hours or reserve a spot. So that usually covers everything. Because then you don't have to worry about your boat being out in the middle of the lake, uh, getting pounded by the waves and stuff, and people can just just go into town. Uh, on the lake itself, there are there are probably about a hundred to two hundred rentals of various sizes and qualities. It runs the gamut. There's a quite a few hundred year old little lake cabins, which is what we initially looked at that was for sale just down the road from where we bought was a very small little 800 square foot lake cabin. It was pretty reasonable, but there was a pond, a huge ponderosa pine pushing on the house. It's pushing on the house so much that the roof was redone around part of the pine. So it's that close. And the hillside was active and highway 97 runs up behind it. Uh, and last thing you really wanted is an active hillside pushing on the house. So we didn't get that. And then we waited until then we saw this house that came up and then we, we bought it because it was ready to go. Uh, but you'll have, there are a few like log mansions on the lake that are quite large. 
there's a 8,000 square foot thing down the lake farther to the south. That's it's beautiful, but it rents for I think it's 4,000 a night. That's not on Airbnb or VRBO. I don't I don't know where you know it's probably a luxury property rental company that manages it for them. Do you have management companies in the area? What's the population of the entire area? Okay, so Coeur d'Alene itself is about 50,000 people. Oh, it's large. It's pretty big. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty good size. Now, the town of Harrison is two hundred sixty-seven. <laughs> okay, it's very small, but that, but it's a the town is itself is very small, but the whole district that encompasses the Harrison town is quite large. Basically, once you get outside of Coeur d'Alene on the far end of the lake as you go around it turns into harrison and then it's another 30 miles down to the house and that's all harrison proper essentially and then farther south almost to the county line to when it goes to the next county so there's not it's pretty sparsely populated where i am at there is a uh, pretty fancy community uh called gazer that is uh it's got a i think it's a jack nicholas designed course there and uh that has a lot of very expensive homes uh there are a few rentals in there and people are there for the golf pretty much i mean you're looking at two three million dollar places in there along with the hundred and fifty thousand dollar golf uh you know membership that goes along yeah with. your golf gets so. expensive hey you mentioned you give your guests your cell phone number um do they use it? Uh, do you encourage them to use it? Do you, uh, you've been doing this for a while now. I, I find that uh, I, it's, it's a tough one for me because some guests I do really want to talk to and enjoy their company and other guests. I'm like, dude, uh, we're not going to be friends. You know, uh, it's just dealing with the general public. So uh, do you ever get any wild, wacky things happen when they call you or, or do they not call very often or? I can probably count on one hand the times that they've actually called uh, with any kind of real problem. Um, we had the air conditioning unit, the main air conditioning unit for the house go out. It was almost 100 degrees um, at the house. Uh, and they called and they were they were the nicest could be. And I, I told them I would get the guy out there to take a look at it. And of course, the compressor had uh, actually what ended up happening was the cooling fan for the compressor had died. And that basically burnt the compressor up. Uh, so I, they, but they, they still gave us a five-star review. They were there for three more days and I have a ton of fans in the house to move air around. So they were just moving air around and every, all the bedrooms and just about every room has an overhead fan. And that was our worst. Otherwise I don't get calls that often. I get texts more and it's more like, Hey, Mike, I broke the carafe on the coffee maker. I am so sorry. And then I just say, that's okay. Or we broke a mug. Uh, but I was a little bit hesitant at first to give a personal cell phone. I, I always wanted to do it. I thought I would get a burner phone, essentially just a, another cheap phone that I could get texts and phone calls on and use it only for the house. But I gave, but it hasn't been an issue. I, um, you know, we don't, I'm not on the phone that often. I have never gotten a middle of the night call uh, about a trouble. Uh, but the key, I think, to to it is maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. You don't want something to break. You don't want a hot water tank to go out. You don't want the furnace to go out. You don't want the AC to go out. So I have got guys out there twice a year maintaining the systems. 
like clockwork. They don't miss anything. I pay for a service uh, package, usually for each each device, you know, each one of the systems and they come out and they take care of it. So I, they change filters. I don't have to worry about it and neither do the guests. They don't need to worry about something breaking down. And, uh, other than minor breakage of, uh, you know, I've never had, I had somebody take the waffle maker. It was a $5 waffle maker. Why they wanted it. I don't know. I don't even know which guest took it because it's stored in a cubby inside of a pantry and, you know, my cleaner didn't notice it was missing. So I bought two more when they were on sale for $5. And I put one out and there's one in storage because apparently waffle makers are the thing to take, you know, and, <laughs> and then beach towels, you know, that's the worst. I have dedicated beach towels for people and um, I get them at the end of the season and I stock up, I get it for three, four bucks each. And then I just put them in the owner's closet and I bust them out get them washed to put them on the shelf. And then half a dozen of them will disappear during the summer. And then I just buy more and you know, it's kids. They got, they got them. They throw them in their bag. Mom's trying to get them going. You got a 10 year old, they grab everything. They just jam it in their bags and get out there. And, and the, the towel walks off. No big deal. Yeah, it's, it's I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. You know, people the, when people first get into this, they're so terrified that somebody's going to call them in the middle of the night and you're living proof that, I mean, it doesn't happen to me either. I, First of all, I'm not I'm not even giving them the option. I don't have my phone number readily available. I do I have a phone system. Everything's a system. So I use right. open I use open phone, which is like a uh it's like, you know, it's a third-party phone system and it's the only yeah, one that I've found that actually works with Airbnb because Airbnb does two-step and it doesn't like to integrate with uh third-party, you know, uh, Yeah, like Google phones. like Google phone numbers, things like that. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Google voice is just horrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I use open phone and I have somebody, you know, in the office, uh, virtual, virtual assistant, uh, if you will, that when the phone rings, they answer it. Uh, but, uh, and so, you know, we have a phone number it's tied to Airbnb and Verbo, especially Verbo. They're very good at giving your phone number out, <laughs> even though a lot of times you don't realize they're doing it. Um, uh, but still nobody ever calls. And I agree with you, man. You gotta, you gotta offer a nice product, you know? This episode of the Short-Term Management Show is brought to you by Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. This is the book in the STR space, written by my lovely wife, Avery Carl. It has hundreds of reviews on Amazon, and it will teach you literally everything you need to know about STR. Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, the book, wherever books are sold. Right. That, that's always the key. If you if you don't keep up on the house and and then I feel, you know, the thing is, is that now that we have things working and it, it looks nice, it's comfortable. People we always get compliments. And see, one thing I didn't do is I didn't do professional photos. And if anybody who reads a bigger pocket forum will see that nearly 90 percent of everybody does professional photos, which I don't disagree with. But so often when you get a professional photo done, it's been retouched. It's been brightened. It looks like the sun is right over here in the corner. There's so much sunlight streaming in. It's beautiful. It's amazing. People show up and it's kind of a cave, a little more cave-like. And I, I didn't want people to think to themselves, wow, it looked, it looked nicer in the photos. Don't you think, Marge? Yes, Bob, I do believe it looked better in the photos. Yeah. I, I don't want that. So I have a, I have really good DS, uh, D, you know, I, I, I read up on particular, 
you know, I'm a professional photography and, and how amateurs do it. I got a buddy of mine who is a semi-professional uh, photographer. He does regular work. And then he has, you know, and he's, you know, he's been published. He's got quite a few photos and he gave me some pointers and I got a good lens for the Sony camera I've got. And I put it on a tripod and lower. So many people are taking shots from like up here and it, you know, not everybody is six and a half, seven feet tall to look down on a couch. So everything's from the level. And, and I think the photos came out good and I didn't retouch them. And I always get compliments. It looks so much better than the photos. It's so much more pleasant you know, and that had me, of course, a little bit worried. And I think I'm going to get professional photos done this year uh, to change up the listing. Um, uh, but the decor hasn't changed. I haven't made any adjustments. You know, I don't put new artwork on the wall every year. Um, frankly, I, I uh, people are so caught up with the design that they forget about the basics. And that's something that I preach quite a bit in the forums is that you get the basics, you know, as, you know, perfect as you can, you know, you can't let perfect get in the way of the good, right? If you've heard that term before, you can't let trying to be perfect get away of being good, but then you can build around it. Good sheets, good towels, good beds, good furniture, everything else comes after that, you know, good artwork on the walls. People do forget how many photos have we seen that people, Hey, take a look at my Airbnb, you know, not my short-term rental. But, and by the way, everybody, it's a short-term rental. Yeah. Airbnb is a platform like Kleenex. Yes. I agree so, there. Uh, you are an engineer in a former life. Is that true? Yes. I, I do see a lot of engineers that take to this business for some reason, uh, uh, more, way more so than uh, long-term rental. Uh, early single family long-term rental there's there are quite a few of them in uh in in commercial real estate but uh for whatever reason they seem to gravitate to to short term can you explain why that is is it a similar brain well not all engineers know each other so i can't speak to everybody <laughs> <laughs> but uh for me uh so i'm a pretty gregarious person uh my life i was an engineer at intel for 19 years but most of that, a good part of that time, I was spent doing what they call technical marketing. So I was like a, a, a platform expert on our particular platform that we worked on. And I did a lot of videos. I did a lot of presentations in front of thousands of people. I would get on stage and demonstrate products and make jokes and talk about stuff and interact with our executive staff. So for me, the customer service slash hospitality side comes pretty easy. I can talk to anybody. Um, I'm pretty easy going. You know, I'm not a hard case in any way. A lot of engineers are, uh, uh, they're lab rats for all intents and purposes. They, they work at their desks. They work on their systems. They work on whatever their project is and they they go home and they're very you know very left brain type people and getting into short-term rentals because it is a hospitality industry kind of allows them to explore a side of themselves that they may want to kind of branch out like how well can i do interacting with customers because right now i do 
numbers. I work with numbers all day long. I X, Y, Z, I do this, I do that. I'm a systems engineer. I'm a civil engineer. I, you know, I design a roadway, blah, blah, blah. And it's, and you never, you never get to see uh, oftentimes the results of your labors, right? You know, what you've just designed goes out into the world and you hope that it works and stays together and, and, and you put all your time and effort into it. And in the end, but with the, with the short-term rental, you're interacting with your guests. You like talking to them and they tell you, oh man, I'm having such a good time. And it, it, nothing makes you feel better when somebody says, this is beautiful. This is amazing. I can't believe it. I mean, we're here and we don't want to really leave, but I know we got to go. And thanks so much for such a great time. We'll remember it forever. And they're posting photos of what they did all over their Instagram or whatever. And you feel you know, pretty happy about it. And for a lot of engineers, you don't get that satisfaction because you're stuck inside a lab all day. That's my guess. I've never me, even something. thought of it that from that perspective. I always just assumed that the, it was the, it was the systematizing and all that that was attracting them to, to, because there are so many softwares and numbers to crunch and things like that. But uh, I think you're probably right. It is. It's, it's, they can, they can get into that engineer brain uh, which I've got a bit of one of those myself. Uh, uh, but at the same time, it's uh, and also an outlet to get them out of it. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I do agree with that, that, that the initially the, the minutia of getting everything set up the way you want it, but once it's set up, it's, it just rolls, right? It just kind of rolls. If you did the job the first time and then you do see the fruits of those labor, you see where things worked out and why this system is working and why this one didn't. And I can make this change. And, and, but once it's going, it's really down to the hospitality part and keeping, keeping the guests happy. So we have all five-star reviews on our property. The only thing we get occasionally is people expect a Hawaii or a Florida white powder sand beach. And even though I, I am very specific, it is a rocky beach, but people do still comment saying, well, there were some rocks. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, they're rocks. That's the, that's the way it is. We're not allowed to have sandy beaches. And uh, you can't bring in sand in Idaho. It's against the law because it clogs the lake up. So, Very interesting. Uh, let's talk about um, Mike's picks. Mike's uh, <laughs> deals of the day. Uh, oh, yeah. I love that. So do you have uh, any recommendations? I, I love getting gadgets and knickknacks and things. And well, before I ask you, I, I do want to point out something you already said. Uh, if the items in your kitchen, et cetera, or in the home in general are not wearing out, you're not making money. OK, so uh, we hear that a lot where people are complaining that, oh, I bought this. Uh, this you keep saying waffle maker. I bought this waffle maker, but it broke six months later. Well, that's a good thing. It means you're renting your house, right? So just right. replace it and move on. But you are notorious for coming up with these, uh, you know, knickknacks and gadgets and smoking deals, really. So uh, do you have any to offer? Yeah. So, I mean, right now, I mean, <clears throat> just, you know, for everybody watching, go sign up for the Bigger Pockets. If you're not a member, the value that you get out of Bigger Pockets for any kind of rental or everything is discussed under the sun there. If it has to do with real estate, it's there, whether it be, you know, wholesaling or multifamily or commercial, it's all right there. And I basically hang out really only in the short-term rental forum. So I post Mike's deals of the day. It's something that I, you know, I, I have some, some little bots set up to kind of pull stuff in that I might want it to be interested in and need. Uh, so for example, uh, you know, Amazon is pretty ubiquitous for most of us, I think, because they deliver anywhere. 
uh, get prime. It delivers for free uh, and watch out, you know, get, get, get yourself set up to look for things like we provide a lot of stuff. I provide a ton of coffee pods. I don't just provide like four coffee pods and they got to bring their own. There's, there are probably 50 coffee pods in the house available to the guests of all different sorts. And I just, I, I, I set targets for deals. Like I don't want to pay more than 20 cents a pod. I don't want, I don't have, you know, dollar 50 pods in the house. Wait a minute, you do provide uh, coffee pods for the guests? Yep. Okay. Okay. I, I stopped providing bulk coffee because they, nobody ever did it. Nobody ever used it. I used to have a pound of something, Tully's, maybe Starbucks, whatever, pre-ground. It sits in the freezer. Nobody, I even put Cafe Bustello in there for a while, which is a really good dark roast coffee from, I think, Costa Rica, right? Really popular coffee. Nobody touched it, but the pods go just fine. Huh. But, I, but you got to spend some money to make the money. But the money is not necessarily the cash, it's the reviews. Because Boom. the reviews generate more people who get more reviews, who use more coffee that they didn't have to pay for. And then more reviews mean more guests. And so that's what you want. Um, I'm not, not everybody's going to be the same. Everybody's, you know, uh, so many people, they seem to skimp on the little things that are very cheap. If I spend $150 a year on coffee pods for the whole season, I think I think I probably overspent at that point. I'm not uh, um, I'm not, you know, I, I, it just it runs the gamut. If there's something interesting I've never seen before and people I think would like it. And in fact, the matter is that you never know. Coffee is so subjective. But I, I stopped putting out like condiments. You know, I had bulk ketchup and mustard in there. And I got a lot of PMs on that from people. What if they spit in that? What if they're putting poison in there? <laughs> like, well, you're renting to the wrong people if they're putting poison in the ketchup. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you problems. Yeah, I rent to people. I mean, we are our place is $329 a night right now. That's what we get. And that weeds out, you're not gonna get, you know, people who poison mustard in there for that guy. You know, they're not gonna steal stuff. They're I spent twelve hundred dollars to come poison your mustard. Yeah, I say so excited. I can't wait to see how this shakes out. They're yeah. not going to do that. But I did take it to heart and I stopped offering it because people bring their own condiments and and it's fine. Uh, but like if you open up one cupboard right next to the refrigerator, there are 50 bulk spices in there mm. of everything you can imagine. I have flour and sugar and all that stuff. And you just have to watch and pay attention uh, for sales. Now, things like the electronics I set up for TVs, and I set up a lot more stuff now that I'm doing Mike's deals of the day. Uh, I try to find the best, like that television that I posted, you know, that 55 inch Roku TV, five series TCL, really good TV. Roku TV, you just can't beat, right? Easy to use. Anybody can pick up the remote and figure it out. And without any trouble, you're not getting calls on a Roku TV. You may get calls on an Android TV because they don't work as well or a fire TV for sure. Cause they're weird, right? More flaky. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I never know what I'm going to find and what's going to work. You know, things like the Costco grandeur hospitality, white towels, they go on sale about every three months. 
that's what we use. They, they, I wouldn't use any other towel. I wouldn't try any other towel. I, you know, they are a really good towel. Uh, the sheets, I use a specific sheet. I tried some other sheets early on. I tried some of the Tencel sheets. If you're familiar with Tencel, which is a wood fiber from Australia, that is kind of like bamboo in some ways. It's very soft, but it is as durable as a flower petal. It is not durable and it pills up like you would not believe. Just takes one person with some craggy toenail in there. And all of a sudden that sheet is done and you got to toss it. So if you're going to do sheets, I mean, everybody's got their preference. I do white sheets because then I see everything that's wrong with them. They are a per cow weave, not a sateen weave. Everybody loves sateen weaves. They're so soft and nice. They wear like flower petals. They are done in a season. You want to get a per cow weave and it's got to not, I mean, you want to have hundred percent cotton. That's awesome. Uh, if you want to do a really high end hundred percent cotton sheet uh, in your high end rental, because it'll probably survive, but you got to have some polyester in there for regular rentals because it adds the durability to the sheet, keeps it from breaking down. And I still have the original sheets from five years ago. You know, it's just about maintenance and keeping up and having plenty of them. I still have the same. I still have them and they still look pretty much the same. They're don't, they don't pill. They don't, they don't break down. They look, they're 70, 30 cotton polyester from Kohl's, the big one. They're not even expensive. You know, I buy them on sale and throw them in there. And I do have some 70, 30, like Mintex and stuff that just extra pillowcases because they take a lot of abuse, right? You know, don't use bleach on your sheets. Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Use other laundry sanitizer. Bleach binds with human oil and it makes your sheets yellow. Yeah. Guaranteed. I don't, don't even do, do white sheets because I know they're going to turn yellow at some point. Uh, ah, if you use bleach, they do. If you don't, they won't. I Like I said, five years now, I do not have a yellow sheet. Nice, nice. Yeah, the uh, white sheet thing has been an ongoing debate for uh, for years in in uh, in this business. But uh, I, I agree. It, I, I do, like I do cotton sheets. I do do cotton sheets. I go a little over the top, but uh, I get the California Design Dance from Amazon. Nothing crazy, you know. They're, right. they're like sixty bucks, maybe fifty bucks for a king. Right, um, and they last a long time, but they're not going to last forever. They're definitely not going to last forever. No, they? no. And I don't have the numbers that you have. Our rental is is very seasonal. It's empty right now. It's been empty since um, since Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving ended. That was our last set of guests. And now we're pretty much not going to probably see anybody until April. Is when our first guests arrive. And that is, I knew that because we sit, we're too far from skiing. Skiing is an hour and a half away. And in the snow and the ice, nobody wants to drive an hour and a half to go skiing. They'll just stay near the, they'll just stay near the mountain. There are rentals there. Uh, that lake behind me is covered with ice right now. It mm. is a solid sheet of ice all the way across. Um, it's probably melted a little bit. The temperatures have been warmer, so uh, it's probably melted. But one thing that's entertaining is you can watch that ice flow go down this way. And then the St. Joe current gets a hold of it and then it pushes it back up here and it goes all the way up and then the lake court the court lane river catches it and it just flows back and forth back and forth and it's kind of mesmerizing so do you go there in the off season or when when do you go just whenever you feel like it 
Yeah, whenever I, you know, I haven't been there since uh, the since just after Thanksgiving to do a few repairs. Uh, the uh, people said one of the banister handles broke, and we didn't have any gas, so I go over there, and I'm, you know, I'm in still in, in even though it's been almost, I mean, it's gonna be six years here in two months since we bought it. I'm still in that. I just can't leave it alone type thing. Uh, and uh, this is something that's going to have probably plague a lot of new short-term rental owners. You just plunk down a half a million dollars on a property, uh, your first one, and it, you're going to worry about it. You're going to worry about it. And you want to go over. If it's fairly close, you're going to want to go over. If it's like within six, seven hours, you're going to drive over there and you want to check on it. You want to check on it. I got to check this. I got to check that. And it, it's, it's, I still haven't gotten over that. So I, I go over there. I haven't, like I said, it's, I go over there every couple of months in the off season um, to dust, uh, collect whatever bugs have gotten inside. Uh, we have Western pine beetles uh, in the, in the house during the, the fall or uh, during the fall and into through the winter, they winter inside the house. They get in. I have no idea. What is that? It's just a, a, from a tree. Yeah. It's just oh. a little bug lives in the, Lives in all the pines, you know, the pine oh, rose pines. Yeah, it's a bug. Huh. Yeah, a western pine beetle. It's just a little bug. It's harmless. Oh, beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a beetle. Yeah, it's a harmless little bug. Uh, it's fairly good size. I mean, it's about a quarter of an inch. It's, you know, and it just, it flies, but it doesn't fly much. It just hangs out and it winters and then it goes back outside. They live for a few years and, you know, and then springtime rolls around and all the ladybugs come charging in. We yeah. have a lot of ladybugs. Oh, yeah. We've got those, too. They come out of nowhere. Yeah, it's amazing. And then spiders. You know, we have quite a few spiders and I try to collect them. But for the most part, I leave them alone because they keep other bugs down in the house. So, yeah. So, in other words, if you're the type of person that can buy a second home and go there and actually enjoy it um, and, you know, relax, then sh short term rentals probably not for you because I can't do that. Um, I, well, mean, I, I, don't, I don't, I would disagree. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think that is a good way to get started. If it's somewhat close, you, it's more comfortable for you as an owner, right? If your first house, I live in LA and my first house is in Pigeon Forge, you never see it. Maybe you've never seen it. You know, you, you just seen photos. And so you, you have it set up and, and then you never go there. And a lot of people can do that. But for the most first time people, we, you read the forum, you read all these questions. It's almost all of it has to do with analysis paralysis yes. and management, how I can manage it from two or three hours away. I mean, I, I'm two hours away. And it's, it's like, well, it's not that far. You know, if you're within that, it makes it a comfort level for people to be somewhat close. If they, you know, if they can, I mean, if you're living in Coffeyville, Kansas, where Paul lives, yeah, yeah. you're not doing short-term rental vacation rentals no, because no. nobody goes there. Yeah, different kind of short-term. Right. But if you live in an area like where I live, there are a lot of short-term rentals. I don't invest in Washington due to the political climate here. Uh, it's not real conducive to uh, owners. Uh, owners are considered the enemy for the most part in Western Washington. So I don't put any money here. Uh, Idaho, on the other hand, is is all about the owners, right? The tenants have rights, just like anywhere else. But um, uh, it's it's I can if I if I need a, a a sheriff out to the house, I can call and they'll be out there, no problem. And they'll toss people out of that house without any issue, and I don't have to worry about it because you know there's no laws protecting a two week stay. Um, but uh, in in the end, if you 
if you live in an area or within an area that has like a really nice big lake or something like that, if you bought that, you get to use it, but you also get to experience what it's like to own a short-term rental and still keep an eye on it. And it adds a comfort level that, that for, for a new owner that you can see it, you can look at it. It's a tangible asset. It's not some mysterious thing that's 3,000 miles away that I own. Now, when you get to the point where you're at, you've got properties all over the place doing all kinds of different stuff. So you can walk away from it a lot easier because that's your business. But for a lot of people, I mean, we'll maybe get one or two more rentals, you know, but I'm not a young whippersnapper anymore. You know, I, I'm not going to go out and try to get five properties a year and leverage everything to try to, you know, because uh, we're on the downside. You know, we're not on the upside. I mean, and that's another thing for the most part that we talk about so much on the forums is, is, you know, who should be doing short term rentals? I mean, we all do it, but should a 21 year old be doing short term rentals? Arbitrage? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. You know, and that's why now I'm starting to recommend to young people, you know, we get these young folks in and I said, get, get yourself an FHA finance duplex, live in one, have rent the other, get a fourplex if you can do it and then build up and then do a short-term rental after you've got some experience and some money rather than trying to jump in to a short-term rental, which, you know, it can, it can be a problem no matter how well you set yourself up. You really never know what's going to happen, especially in a city. Absolutely. Um, all right, Michael, uh, a, book, a book you've read recently that was awesome. Short-term wealth, long, yeah. short-term rental, long-term wealth. Yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't read the book. Oh, you should. I, have, I, I know, I'm the worst. Um, uh, but... Uh, you know, I haven't read any books recently. Um, you know, I can't remember. Okay, that's all right. To be honest, I, I hate to do it. I am I am wearing the t-shirt from the last concert I was at. Oh, Steely Dan. There you go. Last concert. Yeah, that's my last concert. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that. That's cool. Uh, maybe yeah. I should start asking that. Uh, most recent book or most recent and or recent concert. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm to pull up one that I'm uh, I'm actually reading a book called Getting the Love You Want, which is nothing to do with business, but it's a it's a great book. It's actually one of uh, it was a recommendation from another book I just read. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely nothing to do with rental or business, but uh, fantastic nonfiction. I think it was one of the very first Oprah book club books. Oh, uh, I didn't know that until I started reading it, but uh, it is good. Well, anyway, brother, great to see you. Uh, you'll be on the Bigger Pockets uh, short-term rental boot camp, uh, which uh, I'm one of the uh, the coaches on there, and uh, and you handle a lot of the moderation, et cetera. So we'll see you on there. You can find that at biggerpockets.com. Just search for boot camps. Yeah, the boot camp and, starts uh, today, everybody. It uh, starts today. That's camp. right. That's yep. right. It opens up today. You can go start uh, watching the recordings and get ready for the first Q&A, which is next week. Next and week. I will be in the Q&A behind the scenes answering questions from the uh, – from the chat and i'll be managing the forums wonderful wonderful well great to see you brother and uh and we'll catch you soon and don't overthink it take care man thank you thank you